0: Welcome to Athens Happens. I'm Ben Peters, Managing Editor at The New Political. Athens Happens is a weekly news podcast brought to you by reporters at TNP who are dedicated to explaining the nuances of Athens and state politics. You can find new episodes every Friday at thenewpolitical.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, SoundCloud, or wherever else podcasts can be downloaded. This week... Coronavirus anxiety on campus intensifies as Japanese exchange students are moved into the previously vacated Ray House residence hall. The lasting impacts of Caitlin Bennett's visit to Ohio University, recent developments in the trials of former fraternity members who've been charged with crimes considering the hazing related death of Colin Wyatt in 2018, and Ohio's declining coal economy and how the increased demand for natural gas affects the state.
1: Managing editor Ben Peters on a group of Japanese exchange students who were moved into Ray House, a previously vacated dorm on South Green, when they arrived on campus from Japan last Saturday amid a citywide fear of a coronavirus outbreak. Hi, Ben. How are you doing?
0: I'm excellent, Bo. Thank you very much for interviewing me again. No problem.
1: (laughs) So uh, what happened with these students?
0: Yeah, so I mean, a lot happened. Um... So, I mean, before before we get to these students living in Ray House now, we got to back up and we have to talk about this entire week in Athens, because I think this week has been particularly anxiety riddled across town, uh, really just across the entire country uh, with fears of a coronavirus outbreak. I mean, there have already been more than 100 confirmed cases across the country in states like California, Washington and New York, but none in Ohio and 10 of the 11 confirmed coronavirus deaths in the United States were in Washington state. So I think people are afraid that, you know, it's coming to Ohio. It's not, it's not a question of if, it's a matter of when. Um, and so, you know, earlier this week, Monday, city council, they talked about how they were working with the city county health department, uh, you know, to plan for a potential virus outbreak in Athens city. And the Athens city county uh, health department released a statement that day saying that basically their preparedness plans for if there were to be a coronavirus outbreak in Athens would look very similar to what they did in 2009 during the swine flu epidemic. Um, Now we're not really sure what those plans are. I couldn't find any news reports from back in 2009 uh, saying specifically what they did. The press release didn't say specifically what they're going to do and I wasn't here (laughs) in 2009 to know what happened, and I haven't gotten the chance to talk to anybody, so I'm not entirely sure what specifically is being uh, proposed, but that that was the, the, the statement that they gave. Um, and then, you know, at the meeting, Mayor Steve Patterson said that he's concerned, too, about the municipality, and, and if this were to happen, what would happen to the city? He, he, you know, he's worried that, you know, we're going to be going on spring break, I mean, tomorrow, we're all leaving. It's Thursday we're recording this. We, we decided to hop on this a day after we record the podcast because this news broke last night. Um, but, you know, students are going to be going all over the country and then coming back to town. Who knows what they're going to bring with them? Um, so, you know, he I think he feels uneasy about that. Then come Tuesday night at a graduate student senate meeting, uh, Ohio University provost and the executive vice president, Shaden Jalali, discussed the plans should coronavirus reach campus. And he said that it's entirely possible that the university shuts down in the event of a coronavirus outbreak. Um, you know, he, he hopes that it doesn't happen, obviously. He knocked on a wooden table, you know, to knock on wood. Uh, you know, he said, and I'm quoting here directly, in quote, we're trying to plan, Jalali said. Hopefully we don't come to the point where we have to close the university, but we've been asked to plan for that. Hopefully we're not going to get there. So this is clearly something that the university is thinking about, as uh, this virus is spreading all across the country. And so then also Monday, I should have mentioned this earlier, my bad, the university issued, they basically canceled all student-related travel to countries that have been issued travel warnings, level 2 and 3 travel warnings from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And, you know, that includes countries like China, Italy, Japan, South Korea, uh, South Korea, yeah. So then on Wednesday night, we started getting reports that there were a group of Japanese exchange students from a school in Japan called Chubu University who had just moved into Ray House on Saturday night. Um you know, this was before the university canceled travel to countries like japan because of coronavirus and so they moved them into ray house several students familiar with the situation told us this and the university later confirmed that in fact these students are living in ray house for fear of a coronavirus outbreak Um, not that any of them have it we're not entirely sure i mean you know just unsure whether or not any of these students are actually infected um but so, the Chubu University, the students these came from, is located just outside of Nagoya, which is a major Japanese city where the government confirmed Monday at least five confirmed cases of coronavirus. Um, and then we spoke with a student who was scheduled to receive one of these roommates from Chubu University. And he got an email from the university on Tuesday saying that he's not going to be getting a roommate anymore. Um, nobody said anything about this. They very quietly moved these students into Ray. And, uh, you know, we got a hold of it. And so we started contacting the university. We didn't hear a lot from them until this morning, until they finally confirmed that, yeah, there are in fact students housed in Ray out of, and quote, this is a quote from Carly Leatherwood, the university spokesperson. She said, out of an abundance of caution, and quote, managing the coronavirus is a dynamic situation that requires fast-paced adjustments and decision-making. So the students... Are living in Ray House, separated from the rest of the OU community. They are actively participating in their program, according to Leatherwood, and they are permitted to come and go from the residence hall as they please. So they are not quarantined, as as um, some people when we were reporting this suggested to us. But Ray House was previously vacated this past fall because of a lack of students who wanted to live there, the post reported essentially, so they just decided they're gonna empty it out, have everyone move out, and then they'll they'll, you know, start it, start housing people back there again in the fall twenty twenty. So they they moved these students into a residence hall that is totally vacant. So it's just them, this these several group of students. We don't have an exact number of them who are living inside of this residence hall. And we had you actually go out last night to see if there were bedroom lights on to confirm if there were actually people living inside of here. And you saw, and you could add to this if you want, but you, you sent us a picture of on the second floor, just a ring of bedroom lights turned on when the rest of the building was just completely black.
1: Yeah. So, um, as a long time dirty South back South resident, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) Um, uh, i i was you know close to ray house it's it's two over from true which is where i live currently Mm -hmm. um and when i walked out yeah there was a ring of lights on the second floor which is like one above the catwalk that's on dirty south right um and i was like well that's not how that was a week ago Mm -hmm. um and uh, initially i thought maybe they were doing some kind of like cleaning or something but they um I saw somebody, like, turn a light on in their room. And I was like, oh, no, like, there's a person living in that room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, we, we don't know how long they're going to be living in Ray House. Uh, Carly Leatherwood said that it's only temporary. But the email that the student who was going to get a roommate received said that he wasn't going to be getting a roommate for the remainder of the semester. So I, it's totally unclear where they're going to place these students after they move them out of Ray House. Um, so we'll we'll see. But, um I think that's it. Yeah. You have anything else you want to add? No, no. I I think I touched on all the bases. Um, You know, I, like I said, I think it's only a matter of, it's a matter of when coronavirus reaches Ohio, not if I I think the CDC has made that pretty clear.
1: Yeah. Um, I, the only other thing I could think of was, um, that some of the dining halls, not all of them, but Boyd and Shively have started like having the workers serve the people instead of you serving yourself. Mm because they're like it was like due to illness Mm. or like scarce like being scared of illness yeah i mean they didn't
0: specifically say coronavirus yeah no but they said illness yeah that's the thing yeah okay yeah i mean thank you so much Bo, for interviewing me i appreciate it (laughs) after the ad break is going to be staff writer nathan hart talking about the aftershock of caitlin bennett's visit to a high university what's wrong alec
2: These census people won't stop reaching out. I don't want to fill out the census, leave me alone.
0: Why not? Filling out the census helps college students like us receive Pell Grants, which helps us afford schooling. With just 12 simple questions that take 10 minutes, taking the census is easy.
2: But how will the census help me after I graduate?
0: The 2020 census will help other Bobcats like you and I for the next 10 years.
2: I guess you're right. Taking the census will for sure help me and my community. I'm going to take the census on April 1st. Bobcats, Bobcats. get get on on the the map. map. This app was brought to you by the Scripps Public Relations Student Society of America.
0: Senior writer Nathan Hart on the aftershock of controversial far-right media personality Caitlin Bennett's visit to Ohio University and its effect on the public perception of the institution. How are you, Nathan?
2: Oh, I'm doing well.
0: Good, good. So uh, last week you did uh, some research, some reporting into how the university is dealing with the aftershock of the, the national media attention it got from Caitlin Bennett visiting campus. What did you find?
2: Um, well, I found that they were getting a lot of phone calls from, like, concerned parents or angry parents or just angry people. Um, admissions, especially, were receiving a lot of phone calls. Um, and also I learned that uh, the university, to, like, manage the sort of uh, response to, to this, they were, like, giving out talking points to the tour guides that they could like recite if parents were asking them about Caitlin Bennett's visit to like stress that it's like a safe campus Mm. and that we, then that we love free speech and all that. Mm. Um, And then also uh, the university's fake Facebook page was being constantly like dunked on in the comments. Like people being like, uh, Oh, you, you people act like animals, like posts completely unrelated to anything. Caitlin Bennett Mm. just like, I remember one of the posts I looked at was one about like archaeology and there was like, like, upwards of, like, hundreds of comments of people being, like, Caitlin Bennett. Uh, And they were just referencing that. And then um, I noticed also that there were, like, some, like, repeat commenters um, that would just kind of, like, comment on everything, so. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so you said there were parents who were calling the university that were angry. What exactly were they upset with?
2: Um, Well, I guess the concern for some parents would be that, like, university's not safe um, because there's such a, like, a, a, I guess, like a... A large gathering of of people, like I guess it can look bad um, from a point of view, um, and this is this is I'm just speculating here because Colley um, Leatherwood didn't share like what they're upset about.
0: University spokesperson. Yeah,
2: yeah, um, but I, I would say that probably the con- more conservative parents or just people that don't like don't have college kids or mm-hmm. and just want to call the university and be mad. Like probably like the conservative people or like right wing people were probably upset. Like probably thinking that like the university should have done more to like protect Caitlin Bennett or something.
0: Interesting. Do, do we have a number of maybe how many phone calls the university received?
2: Sadly, uh, we do not. Um, Carly Leatherwood said that they don't like count all the phone calls like in one, one location. So they can't like quantify how many there are.
0: Mm-hmm. And so the day she was here, it was on a big tour day, right? Where stu- prospective students were touring the university with their families. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we know if any of these people calling were parents on those tours?
2: Um, no. We, I don't really know anything specific about who was calling, just that a lot of people were calling.
0: Okay. Do we know how this uh, this event uh, might affect the university in the long term?
2: Um, I'm not really sure, just from, from my experience, that it will affect the university in the long term. Um, seeing how how short the, like the news cycle is these days, like – I mean if she comes back maybe things will escalate um but like as of right now I feel like most people have probably already forgotten about it like mm-hmm. forgotten that it's happened and like the people that were most upset were probably people that would never send their kids to a liberal college anyways so you said that she might come back
0: uh, can you elaborate yes, on that Yes
2: well uh she said on Twitter that she's going to come back with a with a with a a group of of armed uh, uh protesters or demonstrators and they'd walk around campus with their with their guns um that was like a, a few days after or, like, the day after she visited. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people were, like, responding to that, saying that it's illegal to open carry on college campuses in Ohio, which is just not true. Uh, open carry is legal on campuses in Ohio. I think some people were getting confused because the university has, like, a like a no-weapons policy for, like, students. Um, but, like, that obviously wouldn't apply to her because she doesn't go here. Mm-hmm. And, like, she can't be sanctioned by, like, a university board. So... Right. Yeah, open carry is like completely legal on college campuses, and uh, I was reading an Athens news story today. Um, someone from APD also like he's like, yeah, they can they can do that. It's not illegal. It like e- even if Athens wanted to, like they wanted to pass some legislation to get out ahead of this and like ban open carry, um, state gun laws like precede mm-hmm. any local laws. Mm-hmm. So like that would just be like null. Interesting. Um, and I I saw
0: that you included in your story that Alex Jones, the uh the head honcho of Infowars, which is a super controversial conservative media network that we talked about on two week ago two weeks ago on the show. Um, she went on to his show, Caitlin, and he pledged that he was going to join her right can you can you elaborate on that on what happened there
2: yeah like she i think she she wasn't like on the she like skype called in or something mm-hmm. um and he and he was like he was kind of pressuring her to return like sooner than she wanted to like he was like uh, go back like that saturday right after that sunday right after yeah um and he said that like when you go back i'll be right there with you like i'll march with you so um that will certainly because now now we have two two uh controversial figures for people to get mad about so
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and I, I know you briefly mentioned this before but I, I want to uh, delve a little bit deeper into it you said that tour guides were being prescribed things by the university to tell touring uh, parents and prospective students what exactly are they being told to to say
2: they had like a, a bunch of like uh, talking points um, but most of them were something along the lines of the university values free speech and open discussion and that's one of our values and also that the university is like working, like, doing the best to keep everyone safe and that what happened wasn't, like, a riot, as some people would say. Mm. Um, and that, like, so parents shouldn't be concerned.
0: Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Nathan?
2: Mm, no, other than um, it'll be certainly be interesting if she comes back.
0: Yeah, it will be. Thank you so much, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, sure. Up next, staff writer Emily Zyler is going to talk to us about the three former fraternity members who were charged in the hazing-related death of Colin Wyant.
3: Hey, Athens Happens listeners, Sarah Donaldson here. I'm the digital managing editor at the New Political. I just wanted to jump on and say that TNP has truly shaped my college experience. When I joined as a staff reporter a year and a half ago, I never would have imagined myself gaining so much professional experience or meeting so many close friends. We're an award-winning, independent, nonpartisan publication run entirely by students at Ohio University, and we're dedicated to providing solid coverage of campus, city, and state politics. But we don't just do news and opinion writing. In a field that is constantly changing and evolving, journalists are expected to do it all. We teach you how to do that at TNP. We regularly produce photo galleries, videos, podcasts like the one you're listening to, infographics, and so much more. And if you're interested in social media or public relations, there's a spot on our team for you, too. The clips you'll produce here will help you get the internship you want. By the end of my freshman year, I had multiple pieces of writing published on TNP's website, allowing me to pursue an internship at my local paper, The Butler Eagle, last summer. I've also met some of my best friends here at TNP, and we have a fantastic network of alumni working in journalism and strategic communications jobs as close as Athens or as far as New York City. If you have yet to find the student publication on campus that's the right fit, the new political just might be the one for you. Our weekly all-staff meetings are held every Sunday night at 7 p.m. in Scripps Hall, if you're interested in joining. And you can also reach out to me at sdonaldson at thenewpolitical.com.
0: Staff writer Emily Zyler on the three former members of Ohio University's Sigma Pi fraternity chapter who pleaded guilty this week to charges related to the 2018 hazing-related death of Colin Wyant. How are you, Ms. Zyler?
4: Um... I'm very peachy today. How are you, Mr.
0: Peters? You're good. I think you were peachy last week, too. Or two weeks ago.
4: You know what? We (laughs) peachy every week.
0: (laughs) Good, good. Uh, So you went uh, to court this week. Not for yourself. Uh, You went to go cover the trial of these three former fraternity members. Um, But I want to back up first and talk about how we arrived at this place where there are former fraternity members being charged Mm -hmm. uh, criminally. Uh, So... What happened to Colin Wyatt in 2018, the former member of Sigma Pi?
4: Um, he was not a former member. He was a former Sigma Pi pledge. Right, yeah. So in November, 2018, Colin Wyant died of asphyxiation of, from nitrous oxide. Um, and it was also known as a whippet. So it's just like a can of nitrous oxide.
0: So it, 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 correct me if I'm wrong. I, I believe that like whippets are like cans of whipped cream or, like, where the whipped cream is empty, and then you, like, inhale the nitrous oxide. I, I that would be correct. It gets, I think it gets too high. But he died yeah. of an overdose, essentially, of the nitrous oxide. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so after that happened, after his death, what kind of was the result of this high-profile student death at Ohio University?
4: Well, it caused Sigma Pi to, like, be shut down at Ohio University. Mm-hmm. Um, And it also led to, one, a civil case, which is being brought up by both Kathleen and Wade Wine, Collins' parents, Mm. which that, those cases are just, like, it's at the beginning of them. So, like, it was filed, but no, like, trials or anything has, like, been brought up yet. Mm. Um, And then there's also criminal cases, and there were nine people indicted in connection to his, like, death. So there are two people that, can I talk about these people? Yeah. Okay. So of the nine people, seven of them were former Ohio University students. Mm -hmm. And they were all like former pledges from, not pledges, fraternity members from Sigma Pi. Mm -hmm. And then two of them, one's the owner of Silver Serpent LLC, which is... It sells the nitrous oxide or the Whippets. Yeah. And then also the daytime manager of the Silver Serpent. Yeah,
0: Silver Serpent is a little, um, you know, they sell uh, vape stuff, uh, bongs and whatnot mm-hmm. down on the, near the end of Court Street.
4: So with those, we've had three, we've had three out of the nine people so far have their cases closed. And those were the trials that I went to last week.
0: Okay, and what happened to these? And who? Actually, let me back up. Who are these three people? Okay, being charged.
4: So they were all former members of Sigma Pi. Yeah. One of them is Dominic Figliola. Um, the other: Colin McLaughlin and then Zachary Herskovitz. Um. Okay. Now, do you want me to talk about the charges?
0: And well, I mean, are they? Oh. Are these former OU students? Are they still students? Are they graduated? Where Where are they at?
4: Um, well, according to their ages, none of them should have been graduated by now. Okay. Zachary Herskovitz for sure does not attend OU anymore because he lives in PA, Pennsylvania. Um, mm-hmm, sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, Colin McLaughlin and Dom Dominic Figliola. Neither of them seemed like, according to their court documents, none of their like addresses seem to be in Athens even though they'd be students that would be living off campus by now. So I do not believe that they are students of Ohio University anymore.
0: Okay. And so what kind of charges are the three of these people facing?
4: So Dominic Figliola and Zachary Herskovitz were both facing a charge of hazing, which Zachary Herskovitz did plead guilty to. Mm. Um, Dominic Figliola in particular, he was facing charges of permitting drug abuse um, aggravated trafficking of drugs and not complying with underage alcohol laws. Hmm. Um, Colin McLaughlin, he was just facing two charges of possession of LSD, but there was no hazing charge for him. And Zachary Herskovitz, he, was, he had two charges, which one was permitting drug abuse and then the hazing. Hmm.
0: And so are any of these people going to see jail time or what? what are their punishments for these charges?
4: So... How the plea agreements go is that typically you don't get jail time since all these are none of them are high like profile felonies. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to start off with Colin McLaughlin, who the only thing he he was charged with, he put he pleaded guilty to two charges of possession of LSD. So he has to complete this Athens County like. Sorry, let me get the name of it. Athens County Empowerment Program, which is just pretty much a rehabilitation program that he has to go through for at least a year.
1: Mm-hmm. And
4: if he fails ZAP, and he he would have to pay a tr- one like a fine for having LSD on him, mm-hmm. and then potentially jail time. Mm. But at the moment, he does not have to go to jail. And all three of them are now enrolled into this rehabilitation program. So Dom Figliola did have to pay a two hundred fifty dollar fine if he fails the um program he has to pay a, a potential $8000 fine.
0: Hm. So do you know the details of this program that they're all all three are and and being enrolled into?
4: Yes. Okay. So this program it typically is like think of it as probation. It's just like more of an Athens County thing because once you complete it like they st- they strike your record so like nothing hmm. will come up if you like type in their name now. Hmm. So It's, like, depending on, like, where you live, it's, like, it could be non-reporting or reporting to a probation officer. So, pretty much, if it's non-reporting, all you have to do is, like, mail them in, like, telling them that you're following all local, state, and federal laws. Mm. And if you do nothing wrong for, like, the next year to two years, depending on how long, like, they believe you need to stay in the program, then you're good.
0: So, then, you you know, assuming that all three of these people complete their... uh, their rehabilitation program, their criminal record will just be wiped?
4: Mm-hmm. They will have no felony record anymore. Hmm.
0: Interesting. And I I know that you mentioned to me this, but I'd like for you to expound upon it a little bit, that the judge was not happy with these plea agreements that they reached.
4: Um. He. So Judge George McCarthy, he was not happy with Herskovitz's plea agreement because For hazing, which is a fourth-degree misdemeanor, you have a possibility of up to 30 days in jail. Mm. And according to Herskovitz' plea agreement, he didn't... The prosecutor didn't believe that he needed to go to prison Mm -hmm. for those 30 days. And McCarthy was just very upset about that because he inadvertently caused the death of, like, a person, a human being. Mm -hmm. So he was, like, very distraught over that. And despite that, the prosecutor like, asked McCarthy to grant a terms of the plea agreement because Herskovitz, in her words, was, like, very cooperative with them, and he was telling them as much as he could. And he, Herskovitz was also not present in the room when Colin was doing the whip it. Mm.
0: So what's next for all three of these individuals?
4: All three of these individuals will be going through, like, this, once again, this rehabilitation program. But they will not be in court again unless if they get called on to be a witness in any of the other cases, which mm-hmm. it doesn't look like they will be at the moment.
0: Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Emily?
4: Um, If I could, I'd kind of want to – can I add a comment from, like, the Wyants? Because they did speak at yeah, the case. Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, What what did Colin's parents say?
4: Colin's parents were very distraught, as they obviously should be. And mm-hmm. ever since his death, they both have been, like, activists trying to, like – Stop! Like make bec- one like make hazing like a harsher like crime mm-hmm. because the wines do not believe the punishment for a fourth degree misdemeanor is enough when compared to their loss of a child. Cause can I explain what a fourth degree misdemeanor is, Mr. Peters? Yeah. Okay, so a fourth degree misdemeanor it is a maximum of a two hundred and fifty dollar fine and or up to thirty days in jail, which if you're causing the death of someone. Up to 30 days in jail and $250 you have to pay, that's not enough. And that's what the Wines have been pretty much going around and saying. So one thing that really stuck with me was, like, what Kathleen Wine said, because her and Colin's father, they both went through the Greek system when they were students at Ohio University. And she said, fraternities and sororities are meant to build on brotherly and sisterly love and to make you better people, better men, better women, to lift you up. And to know that their destructive, demeaning behavior can be deadly, that those people who are supposed to protect and love you can be the ones that drive you to your death is a horrific fall. Because as they have many happy experiences going through the Greek system and to see what happened to their son, that, mm-hmm. that's just something that's always going to be following them.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: So. That's it. <laughs> All right. Well,
0: thank you so much, Miss Al. We really appreciate you.
4: Mm-hmm. After the ad,
0: Alejandro is going to be joining us to talk about coal mining in Ohio and how its decline has affected the economy.
3: Hello, everyone. I'm Maggie Prosser, editor-in-chief here at The New Political. Each and every day, I work alongside reporters, editors, producers, and managers who put their heart and soul into the journalism we produce. Here at TNP, we have the honor to tell the stories of the residents of this small town we call home. We're looking for local businesses and other ventures to help us continue funding for our independent journalism, including the podcast you're listening to right now. TNP would love to advertise for you through our website, our biannual magazine, or right here on Athens Happens. If interested, please send an inquiry email to execedit at for more details. We hope working together can support both your initiative and fuel TNP's strong, reliable, and essential journalism here in Athens.
0: Staff writer Alejandro Figueroa on Ohio's declining coal economy and how the increased demand for natural gas has impacted the state. How are you, Alejandro?
5: Ben, I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm good. This is your debut it Athens, is. happens Appearance. It is. It's very fun. I've been playing around with the mics and the headphones, so it's, <laughs> it's kind of fun. So Cool. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Sure thing, man. We're happy to have you on. Uh,
0: so tell me about uh,
5: your reporting on the state of the coal economy in Ohio. So currently, uh, the state of the coal economy in Ohio is it's in decline, uh, and it has been for various decades now. Um, some people argue even as far back as World War II. Uh, but you really don't start seeing any change up until about the 1970s. Um, back then you had a lot of coal production. I mean, especially the city of Ohio was producing tons and t- tons of coal. Um, but the decline really, you start seeing a declining coal, uh, when you, there is this shift in technology in terms of how the coal is extracted from the earth. Mm. So it's just, there's this weird paradox in which you see uh, uh, increase in technology that helps uh, the industry produce and extract more coal. So you start seeing an increase in uh, the coal that is being produced in the state of Ohio, but you start seeing a decrease in the labor market because mm. as you're seeing that technology you know you got this big excavation tools that uh are taking up the jobs of thousands of people that are mining underground you know you start seeing that labor increase i mean this technology gets better and safer which is good um but you start seeing that decrease in labor because of that technology so so a lot of the decrease in jobs in the coal mining industry can be chalked up to automation correct it can be chalked up to that and i mean not only just even automation it's also just cheaper to mine uh, with big excavation tools so Mm -hmm. um, prior to when you see that uh, uh, shift in technology a lot of the coal was being mined underground and that's you know what you would I mean, it's just, it's just called underground mining, right? But after that technology shift around the 1970s, you start seeing what we call uh, surface mining. And surface mining, what it is, is, I mean, it's what it is. It's, you dig a big pit on the ground and you extract the coal that way. So Mm -hmm. it's just safer, it's easier, it's faster.
0: Rather than sending people underground into the mines Correct. to collect it. Okay.
5: And that's kind of like, um what has led up to the decline of coal. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, now the state of coal, how I, I would describe it, the, the demand for it in the market, it's just not the same that it was. And again, it hasn't been for the past few decades. Um, you're seeing coal just mainly being used for power uh, generation. So... Um, That's also another thing. In the past, coal was being used to power up trains and boats Mm. and even heat up our houses, but that's no longer the case. Uh, Coal is being replaced by natural gas uh, increasingly and dramatically. Even if you look at Ohio's energy portfolio, about 10 years ago, about 80% of the energy being produced for the state came from coal. Now you look at Ohio's energy production today and coal so the production of 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 energy in the state of Ohio is still predominantly comes from coal. Mm-hmm. It's about 47% now. But when you look at gas, it's 34%. So that's nearly a like a decrease like a double yeah, number like a, a decrease, a, a double in half. digit decrease. Correct.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, what what is the reason for the increase in the use of natural
5: gas? So right now we're in the middle of a natural gas boom, um, and you there's two things. So the extraction of natural gas has been facilitated by the uh, production, or I guess not the production, but the um, the extraction of natural gas uh, has been f- facilitated uh, through the introduction of near methods of extracting the actual gas so you got what we call fracking mm-hmm. or you know f- more formally known as hydraulic fracturing and that is when you take immense amount of pressure and you pump it down to the earth and that in- in, ch- in terms, uh, it pushes the natural gas up, and then you collect it that way. Uh, that technology really wasn't developed up until recent years. Mm-hmm. It's mm. a very, very recent and new technology. So, that's one thing. And is, the, isn't uh, fracking highly controversial? It is. Uh, and the reason why it is is because you the, the the chemicals that they use to pump into the earth um Companies don't have to disclose mm. what kind of chemicals they use and put into uh uh that that liquid that is used to extract and pump out the gas. another thing is that what happens you know people question so what happens when that t- with that those chemicals uh seep into the earth and underground uh water uh, uh Underground water sources groundwater groundwater yeah yeah um, so that's a question that, I, that I, a lot of activists ask and then another, another thing was controversial is once those chemicals rise up you need to collect it and then you need to store it away and the way the industry stores them is through injection walls injection walls are just pit that are pits that are dug deep underground and they just throw. Uh, pump those chemicals down on the ground and they store them that way huh. and those wells are not lined by anything I mean of course they study the area to make sure it doesn't impact um, uh, nearby water sources, but a lot of activists that i I've spoken to' uh, and interviewed about about the what's happening uh, they don't believe the process being done right or and they believe that it's not regulated. As it should be. These injection wells, correct, and and just fracking generally, correct. I mean, just the injection wells mainly. Uh, when it comes to fracking, there are a lot of rules and processes that a company must meet before even digging, uh, or or you know setting up shops begins. Um, <clears throat> but right now in Athens County, there are no active fracking wells and that's been a very contentious issue especially the wayne national forest where right now it's a very contentious issue uh there are no fracking operations but there are certainly pending uh permits to begin operation but as of right now there haven't been any new um, uh, updates Mm -hmm. on it so automation is sweeping away these people's
0: jobs in the coal mining industry. Natural gas seems to be becoming slowly the predominant method of uh, energy creation yes. in the state. Yeah. So what are these people doing then now that they're out of work? Are, are they going and working in the natural gas industry? I mean...
5: So that's also a big question of what people are, are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a question they ask themselves. Um, when I spoke to the United Mine Workers of America uh, spokesman, um, forgot his name, but that's okay. okay. Um, he told me that a lot of these workers have a very set of specialized skills that are very hard to transfer into another uh, in terms of the industry, mm-hmm. so a lot of these workers they're either joining tr- other operations that are further away. For example, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, for example, workers in Ohio, they if they are turned away or laid off by a mining op- operation that either had to lay off workers or close down they tend to drive further away to other operations either in northwest Northwestern Ohio or even West Virginia. Mm-hmm. West Virginia is a very big uh, coal hub uh, for, for production and, and extraction. Um, some of these workers also can join uh, retraining programs and this is something that is all also offered by the United Mine Workers of America they offer retraining programs for dislocated workers. But a problem that um, I was told by the United Mine Workers uh, spokesperson was that they are federally funded. Mm-hmm. So they essentially depend on federal grants to support their retraining programs. And something very interesting that uh, he told me was that the current presidential administration, the Trump administration, correct, uh, the Trump administration does not believe that coal is in decline. They have an agenda, you know. They want to push out coal to be able to appeal to more uh, uh, prospective voters. But what he told me was that since the administration does not believe that the, the the coal industry, it's in the situation that it is right now. Mm-hmm. They have a very hard time to seek out grant money and federally, federal money to pay their programs. So these retraining programs, what do they actually
0: entail? What kind of skills are they training these dislocated miners?
5: Skills that uh, these dislocated miners can learn and retraining programs can range in anywhere from being able to go back to, say, a trade school and learn other uh, trade. Mm-hmm. Car- carpentering, uh, welding. Ground. Yeah. Uh, maybe even go to community college or community schools. But mostly just other trade skills that they can use towards industry that they choose.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do they find that those programs are successful? That I do not um, have information in. Okay. Uh, so did you... Through your reporting, did you meet with any
5: dislocated miners and get a chance to talk with them? So that's a very interesting question. A lot of these miners um, are very hard to reach out to Mm -hmm. (laughs) from what I did uh, in my research uh, last fall. Um, It's very hard for two reasons. One, especially the closer mine here in Athens County is called Buckingham Mine. They are they're not unionized okay so there's really no central voice to speak mm. and the miners that are unionized um who mostly work through uh mirror energy uh uh corporation yeah uh, mines, they haven't really spoken out it's mm. just hard to reach out to them because because they're not organized correct well the buckingham um, mine. They are not organized. Mm-hmm. The There's another plant. It's not in Athens County. It's in Belmont County. Um, and they are owned by the uh, American Energy Corporation, which is a subsidiary from American Energy. Okay. They are unionized under the United Mine Workers of America. And mostly it's not a matter of dislocation. Uh, the big issue with them their bigger issue is, uh, losing, uh, pension plan benefits. So mostly just retirees Mm. who rely on those pension plans, um, to, you know, live out their lives and pay for medical,
1: uh, yeah. You know, whatever expenses they might have to pay for that.
5: That's mostly their, their, the issue that they're having right now with this coal decline. Did you meet with any of these people and speak with them? I was not able to. Hmm.
0: Why do you think it is that a lot of these miners are so hesitant to speak to you or anybody else about their situation right now? I mean, it sounds like their industry is is collapsing beneath them and they're helpless.
5: Yeah. So a big reason that I would speculate as to why they would not um, want to share their sentiments with the media, uh, or journalists like, like me when I was trying to, uh, reach out to them is the fact that they probably don't even trust, you know, the media right now. Mm -hmm. A lot of these minors, I mean, you gotta think about it. A lot of the Trump's administration, a lot of of their following are people in rural areas who have heard the message of our current president. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of these people are minors and 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 other blue collar uh, workers who listen to the message that our president has, um, you know, spread out. Mm -hmm. So I would not be surprised if they think that someone reaching out to them is out to get them. You know, Mm -hmm. or like they think that that person is out to get them or out to spread some uh, a different narrative, which isn't the case. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's unfortunately, the kind of um, atmosphere that we're kind of living in right now in the media industry.
0: So what do you think the future of coal mining
5: in the state is? Sure. So when you look at. Uh, projections of the energy production especially when you look at projections coming from the state of Ohio you see a big rise in natural gas uh, uh, usage so going back to to that, the early 2000s to now uh, 2020 you've seen a, a triple-digit increase in natural gas production, and that is projected to increase, according to the uh, Public Utilities Commission of the state of Ohio, and you're seeing a decrease in the production and usage of coal. Um, So, talking back to professionals, also, I've talked to Jeff Buckley, he's a a geography professor who focuses in Appalachian studies and uh, environmental studies. Mm-hmm. Professionals don't necessarily believe that it's straight out going to go away. I mean, this is a very slow moving mm-hmm. kind of uh, um, slow moving. It's a slow burn. Slow burn. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like what you did there. So it's it's really a slow burn. You're seeing you're seeing a. Uh, little by little uh diminishing demands in the market for coal Mm -hmm. over the next few years maybe even decades um but it's not like it's going to be something that's straight out going to go away it's going to be a very slow process but i mean right now it's just cheaper to both extract uh natural gas and uh burn it for uh energy production to put it into numbers, right now, or at least last year, uh, gas use in utility plants would cost as low as $16 per megawatt, and coal would cost $22 per megawatt. To put that into perspective, one megawatt worth of energy uh, is created by 10 automobile vehicles. So when you think about it in the grand space, you know the grand scheme of things those numbers just add up and it and stop making more sense to work with natural gas rather than coal
1: mm-hmm.
5: uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before we head out alejandro well right now there's not a whole lot happening um the uh, mary uh, energy corporation uh they filed bankruptcy last october mm-hmm. and they are working with investors to talk about how they're going to restructure uh, their financial budgets. and But you're really not... Oh, God. They're working right now to talk about... They're working right now with their investors um, on how they're going to restructure their budgets. There hasn't been a whole lot of talk about what's going to happen with those smaller uh, subsidiary my, mine my companies. Mm-hmm. But... it. It's just an ongoing process. You're within the next few months or years, you're going to start seeing diminishing companies and more bankruptcies. So it's just a matter of time right now in the state of Ohio. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming on, Alejandro. Ben, thanks for having me.
0: And that wraps it up here on Athens Happens. Make sure to tune in every Friday for new episodes that shed light on the politics that impact all of our lives. Remember, you can find the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and on YouTube in a video podcast format. Don't forget to leave us ratings and reviews. Also, be sure to check out our website at thenewpolitical.com, where we regularly report stories on what really happens here in Athens, and follow at The New Political on social media. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend.